This message is brought to you from Calon Church. We pray it encourages and inspires you. For weathering storm Dennis and making your way to uh, church this morning. I don't know about you, but there's one moment. There's one moment in TV shows and reality TV programs that I have grown up to despise. And it's that moment where they have to select, like, who is leaving the show, be it, like, Britain's Got Talent or whatever it is, where they're choosing if it's going to be, I don't know, Adam or Steve. And there, a choice is made, and there's a big, kind of, the drums are rolling, and the, the suspense is palpable in the room. And they say, as they usually do with the Music going, violins at the back, ready to go. You know, the, you know the moment in the TV programs, yeah. And they go, and who will be leaving the show is, and it goes on and on as the music just goes. And are you like me? You think, like, just get on with it, and just get them off the show so we can just carry on watching. How many of you are like that? Okay, just me, just me. But then, how many of you are if you're in our home? And you sit down and the girls watch a lot of these TV programs. And, and Ruth and even Betsy and Bailey, the dogs, they love watching these programs too. And they're there. And how many of us, whether it's The Apprentice or whether it's the, any of these shows, when the wrong person leaves. And have you seen what happens? Like we turn into like a living version of Gogglebox right there in our homes. All of us do it, don't we? Where we go like, that's ridiculous. How is that? person like how, how how did they choose them how many of you feel my pain okay just four of you just four of you maybe I should stop watching all of these reality tv programs but what I want to talk to you about is closely related to that subject today and it's this thing called choice or choosing or chosen the Bible is quite clear. It uses phrases like, many are called, few are chosen. In the early stories in the Gospels, we can read that in Mark chapter 3 to 5, we can read that all of John's disciples, the people that had chosen to follow the, um, the teaching of John the Baptist, they all start following him. And then we read that when Jesus comes on the scene, that a lot of John's disciples, the ones that were following John, decide to follow Jesus. And in the midst of all of those groups of Jesus' followers, all those people, men and women, in Mark chapter 3 to Mark chapter 5, you can read that Jesus chose 12 to be with him. Like, I don't know what the criteria was. I don't know why Jesus did that. In fact, I don't know why God does that. But one thing I know for certain, I know what it is to not be chosen. Do you? I do. Because I was the one that couldn't play football as best as the other boys in school. I was the one that was always me and Richard Williams. We were always left at the end because they always to pick Brian Evans and they always to pick Curly Humphreys and they also to pick Tom Thomas and they always to pick everyone until it was me, the smallest, and Richard that was the most well-built. 
And it was him and me, and it was always a close-run thing over the last straw over which one of us would get picked. And invariably, guess who was picked last? It was me. I know what it is not to be chosen. But as well as that, how many of you know what it is to be chosen? That's happened a few times to me too, where something goes my way. In fact, Ruth was chosen this week. She had a lovely letter that arrived in the post this week from the Inland Revenue. (laughs) She did. So because it came to the Inland Revenue and Ruth was away, I decided to open it on her behalf. So I thought, is this good news or bad news? And guess what it was? Good news. My wife had a tax rebate this week. Isn't that great? What's it like to be chosen, Ruth? It's lovely, isn't it? It's already gone on handbags, shoes, coats, jackets. The budget's already been agreed and it's gone. But the question I want to ask you this, the question I want to ask is what criteria does God use to choose? What criteria does he use? I'll tell you what he doesn't use. He doesn't use the same criteria as we do. And that becomes a mighty big problem. A mighty big problem. In fact, it might be a problem for you right here and now today. I want to bring one scripture to you that I want to base my message to you this morning. And the message is simply entitled this. Why does God choose the wrong people? Why does God choose the wrong people? Now, I'm not saying that God does choose the wrong people. But what I am saying is when we look at earthly eyes so often, why do we come to that conclusion? Turning me to the book of 1 Samuel, this is a text that's nearly 4,500 years old. And this is a story of King David. And this is a story of King David being selected and being anointed because Saul, who was the first king of Israel that the Bible writes about, had become unfaithful. He had chosen to do his thing, not the God thing. And so God calls Samuel, the prophet, to go and select someone who is going to be the next king of Israel. He goes to anoint someone. And so he is called to the farm of Jesse. What a great name for a farmer. So he goes to Jesse's farm and all the boys are pulled in front of him, much like the football lineup that I showed you. You know, all of Jesse's boys are there. The one who can run well. The one who can hunt well. Maybe the one who's intelligent. Maybe the one, maybe the one who's good looking. Maybe the one who has just got a smart brain. You know, the swat of the family. Or the one with a memory that can remember everything. The kind of person you want in a pub quiz. And so Jesse puts all of these sons that he has in front of him. And God says, it's not him. It's not him. It's not him. And it's not him. And Samuel turns around to Jesse and says, like, have you got any other sons? And the scripture writes that he says, well, kind of, yeah, I've got another son. But, like, he's out in the fields tending the sheep, and that's what he's doing. Because, like, he wasn't going to get David. I mean, not David. God surely wouldn't choose David to be the next king of Israel. 
And in 1 Samuel, the verse is on screen. If you want to uh, look at this and read it in your Bible, if you've got the Bible app, we always encourage you to download it. But if you look at the scripture here, as Samuel goes up to David, the Lord says to the prophet Samuel, sorry, as, he, as Samuel is up to him, he says to the prophet Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. That's a really good verse for me. <laughs> hey, he might be short truth, he might be ugly, but God's chosen him. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The heart of the matter is God looks at the heart. And that's why we feel so often that God chooses the wrong people. Let's pray. Father God, as we turn to your word this morning, Lord, help us to see with godly eyes. Lord, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the way thereof leads to destruction. We know that your word teaches us that. So this morning, as we look at this area of vision and what you see, purpose and what you would have us to be, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to look at one another with different eyes today. Instead of looking at one another with eyes of <coughs> condemnation and judgment, Lord, that we would learn to not look at appearance, but that we too might begin to look at the heart, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. One of Ruth and my favorite things to do is to sit down together after a busy day. If we get time, Ruth and I spend quite a bit of time apart because of traveling and business and all of what we're involved in. But there's nothing that I love more than to sit down with Ruth, coach up on the sofa. Sorry, just to be clear. I'm sitting on the sofa, coaching Ruth, and Ruth is coaching Bailey the dog. That's the way it works. So there's nothing I love more than to sit down and coach with Ruth on, on the sofa and watch a box set or a film on Netflix. And over Christmas, Ruth and I sat down to watch a film together. I don't know if you've seen it, What Men Want. And when she suggested that that would be a good film for both of us to watch, I'm thinking, What Men Want? Yeah, great title, Ruth. Go for it. It's a fascinating film. And I don't know if you know it. It's very loosely based on the same kind of script as the film What Women Want um, that had uh, other people in it. Have you seen the film? Any of you seen What Men Want? Come on, hands up if you haven't seen it. Okay, there's a lot of people going on Netflix at home to, to watch that film. But basically, the start of the movie starts with uh, the character Ali that she is. And she's working in a, a sports agency. And they represent different sports people and different athletes. And she wants the promotion. And there's this fantastic moment where, because it's a sports agency, that the chairman of the board has got everybody, all of the senior staff, all the executives together in the room. And in order to show and demonstrate who's been chosen to be the next partner in the firm, he throws an American football ball to the person that's been chosen. Much like 
me being chosen for football in school in the lineup. And so, once again, there's one of these moments. Like Britain's Got Talent, like The Apprentice, it's palpable where the person who is going to have the promotion and be a partner on the board is selected. And she thinks it's her. And there's this really embarrassing moment where he goes and throws the ball to another man that is two seats down for her, and she dives across the boardroom table, catches the ball, and goes, yes, I'm the partner. And there's this great, great moment on it where everyone in the room is going like, like, sorry, it's not you. Can you give him the ball? And she is filled with all the shame that happens with that. You see, to not be chosen for a lot of us, is a real big problem. Whether it's a promotion, some of you this week, you might have lost out on a promotion. And what we do when we are not chosen is we come to conclusions about the other party so often. And I want to share with you three of the conclusions that we come to in life that affect us in every aspect of our lives. So although we're here in church this morning and a lot of what I'm going to be sharing with you is from God's word this morning, what I want you to understand is these three, three areas of reactions that we have and judgments that we make about people will not just affect us in life, they will affect us in our families, and they will also affect us in our church life if we have these mindsets. You see, because the people we think that God picks are sometimes not trustworthy. Like when we find out that sometimes people have been chosen for a promotion or this one's had that level of success or this one's been asked to sit on a board of this company or, or this person has been asked to lead the worship team in church or this person has been asked to host Alpha or all of the stuff that happens in life. Quite often if we are not chosen, we jump to certain conclusions about the choice. Or even in leadership sometimes. You know, there might be you as a group of elders. You might be even listening to this message right now when you're an elder in the church. And you have certain op opinions at the moment as maybe your church is transitioning about who should be the next pastor of the church. And the board are at odds with you. The eldership are at odds with you. You think it should be somebody else. And we think that people so often should not be chosen because... They are, number one, untrustworthy. Untrustworthy. Well, I want you to know that God picks untrustworthy people every day of the week. On a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, and a Friday. God picks untrustworthy people because I hate to show a mirror into your soul and into your heart, but you let people down too. You are untrustworthy too. Oh yeah, but come on, Pastor Phil. I'm, like, I'm not as untrustworthy as them. Yes, that's called looking through spectacles. Not, not rose-colored, but a plank-colored spectacles. You know the type. When Jesus says, you point out the speck that's in your brother's eye right? when you have a plank in yours. Because God, why do you pick untrustworthy people? 
like you've only got to read Mark chapter 14. Right? There's only 16 chapters to the Gospel of Mark. It's such a, a short, kind of condensed version of the story of Jesus. And in fact, by reading, just by coincidence this morning, happened to be in Mark chapter 14. And as I'm reading it this morning, I'm going, whoa, God, why do you pick so many untrustworthy men? I mean, he picked Judas back in Mark chapter 3 to 5, and he went and betrayed him. He picked Peter back in Mark chapter 3 to 5, and he went and denied him. He picked Thomas in Mark chapter 3 to chapter 5, and he went and doubted him. And as if that wasn't good enough, when the soldiers came to arrest him at the end of Mark chapter 14, all of the disciples deserted him. Every single one ran away. And if you don't believe me, the scripture even records that one young man amongst the disciples came to the Garden of Gethsemane that night and was just wearing a linen shirt. I'm not judging him. I'm pretty sure that in the first century, a linen shirt was quite a fashionable thing to wear to go out into the Garden of Gethsemane to be with the disciples. But he only had a shirt on. So I am assuming, because the scripture goes on to say that when he ran away, he even left his shirt behind and ran away naked. All of the disciples clearly were untrustworthy. And if that's not enough, you know, that we've got Peter and Judas and we've got Thomas and we've got everything. I mean, let's just talk about James and John because you probably would have picked them because they're good lads, aren't they? They didn't deny him. They didn't judge him. They didn't do anything. No, but they had another kind of sin. You see, they have a conversation with Jesus about Jesus. Say, hey, Jesus. They slide up to him and say, you wouldn't do us a favor, would you? Literally, they say that to Jesus. You wouldn't grant me, and James here, a wish. What is that? (laughs) Well, uh, when you get to glory, can you let James and me sit at your right-hand side? Would that be okay? And like Jesus goes like, what, don't you get this? The kingdom of heaven is not about position because they were prideful. They were seeking position. Weren't they seeking position? Being in the right hand of the Father on high in glory's position. And Jesus turns around and says to them, that decision is not up to me, it's up to the Father. He chooses. God chooses. And God chooses the foolish people. God chooses untrustworthy people. To build his kingdom. And thank God for that. Because I'm untrustworthy too. But not only does he pick untrustworthy people. The problem gets worse. Like when we talk about like. Why does God choose the wrong person? God not just picks untrustworthy people. He picks unqualified people. Unqualified people. Hey, if you want to read more about this subject, there's a fantastic book that is written by Pastor Stephen Furtick. And the book is simply called Unqualified. And like lots of us getting ready to go to church in the morning, uh, Stephen Furtick writes that he was watching YouTube. Any of you watch YouTube or listen to YouTube? 
Yes, loads of stuff. And YouTube does this fantastic little thing called recommended videos. Have you noticed it? Recommended videos. And lots of the stuff that comes on my feed is a lot of I'm thinking, why does it think that I would want to watch that video that's recommended for me? And what do we all do? We click on it anyway. And I'm sure that's what jeopardizes the whole way the system works is because based on our behavior, and we clicked on it last time, and half the time we clicked on it last time because out of curiosity, and it's our curiosity that gets us into trouble, I'm sure, with recommended videos. But one of the things you can do on YouTube is you can just let it run. You can let it run and carry on playing it to the next recommended video and the next recommended video. And that's what Stephen Furtick had done on this morning as he prepares to go to church. And there's a very, very famous American preacher that is doing a quick Q&A session. And the Q&A session went like this, that he was supposed to give, this famous preacher was to give one-word answers. That would be nigh on impossible for me to do. But one-word answers to questions. So it would be things like um, popcorn, salty or sweet? Answer? Who said salted? There's only one answer to that question. Sweet. Agreed? Okay, right. Just divided the room. But there were all of these questions that he quick-fired. And to his amazement, guess what the person asked for a one-word answer on? And he's listening to this as Stephen Furtick is getting ready for church. And he's gone through popcorn questions and all these kind of things. And he asks the question of Stephen, he asks the question of this famous American preacher. And he says to him, he didn't even know that they knew him. And the question that was asked of uh, the famous preacher was, Stephen Furtick, give me one word for Stephen Furtick. And guess what the one word was? Unqualified. Can you believe it that someone would say such a thing? And this Word had like captured Stephen's heart and read the book, okay? I've just given you the kind of the, the thumbnail of it, but read the book because do you know what he discovered as he was looking at this all, at this subject? And Stephen portrays it far better than me. God picks unqualified people. Every day of the week, he picks them on Monday, he picks them on Tuesday, he picks them on Wednesday, Thursday, through Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. God is picking unqualified people all the time. I mean, we look at the appearance on the outside, don't we? I mean, you want a giant to go fight Goliath, don't you? You don't want a little boy with sticks and stones or whatever. You don't want to do that. And even when God picks the person that we think should not be chosen, we kind of want to fix it our way instead of God's way. And it's a really interesting thing that happens when David, this kid, gets chosen because he chooses himself because nobody would fight Goliath. That like everybody starts rallying around and saying, well, okay, if he's willing to go out there and get killed, that's what they're all saying, we've at least got to give him a fighting chance. So we'll try and put armor on him. And that's what they did, right? That Saul comes and says, like, like, try and put all this equipment on. And there he is, like, you can imagine what he's looking at. He says, look, I don't need anything except for my sling and five small stones. And he rolls up, bang, using unorthodox methods in terms of how to kill a giant. Because 
you might come against me with whatever armies you have, says David, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. God picks unqualified people all the time. Hey, I just want to remind you that none of the disciples went to Bible college. None of the disciples went and studied theology for five years. Not even Paul the Apostle that wrote nearly two-thirds of the New Testament. Not one BA, not one MA, not one BSc, nothing at all. I've got a BSc, bronze swimming certificate. I've got one of those. But not a remote qualification at all. And yet has written most of the, some of the most authoritative scriptures ever. God looks at the heart and he picks people that are untrustworthy. And he picks people that are unqualified. And finally, why does God, when he chooses, why does he just choose people that are unsuitable? I mean, why does God put square pegs in round holes. That's what we think when we look at it at carnal eyes and when we look at their eyes, we think, look, what, God's choosing him to be an evangelist? Or God is choosing her to lead worship? Or God is, like, why does God choose unsuitable people? I mean, I'm just saying, if you want someone to lead a nation that's in slavery, out, you need to pick an inspiring leader, don't you? One who's good with words and can say to a dictator if needed, let my people go. And God chooses Moses, who can't even string words together properly. We know theologically, if you read it, he's probably got a stammer or he's finding it difficult to speak. And so what does, Jesus, what does God do? God says, don't worry, I'll give your brother Moses, Aaron as your mouthpiece. So can you imagine that? All the people are turning up. Ah, oh, we're going to rock up this morning. We're going to have a great speech from Moses. What's it going to look like? Well, it's going to look like Moses telling his brother, hey, get on with it, Moses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Lord saying to you today, that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart. Don't have any other idols before Him. No graven images, nothing like that. Uh, right. Can you imagine how long that takes? I like it. You'd never pick him as prime minister. Can you imagine quest- question time? Yes, the right honourable friend. I don't know, questions, you know, across the box there. Is it one second? One second. Yeah. Yeah, like we, why does God pick unsuitable people? Yeah. I mean, as if that's not enough, he picks somebody like Gideon. Like Gideon does not want to go into battle. He's got as much fight in him as I've got in my little finger. And so God says to him, look, you know, the, yeah, I want you to go and fight. Like, me? Yeah, yeah, you. you. Yeah, but I can't do that. You need to give me an army. I say, all right. He says, I'll give you an army. And like he weeds the army down like from thousands to like hundreds. 
and they go and they defeat. Because when God is on your side, you cannot be defeated. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. No tongue that is raised shall stand because I have authority in Jesus' name. So why, God, do you choose the untrustworthy, the unqualified, and the plain unsuitable? Do you want me to give you the answer? There's two answers to it. So first of all, can you imagine if just God picked superheroes all the time. God wouldn't pick Iron Man. He wouldn't pick Superman. He wouldn't pick Wonder Woman. He wouldn't pick any of those people. None of the marvels. Because they are what? They are suitable. They are qualified. And they're probably trustworthy. So in order that we all get chosen. So in God's lineup. When God is picking the football team, he don't care what you look like. He is not interested in your ability. All he is looking for is your availability. You might not be smart. In fact, you could be not the brightest spanner in the toolbox like me. God chooses you. You cannot be the tallest person in the world. God chooses you. He picked Nehemiah, didn't he? Shortest man in the Bible. So I'm sure he could pick you. He does, Gary, pick tall people too. He didn't kill them all. But God picks tall people. He picks all shapes and sizes, all capabilities, all different type of people. In fact, God picks the unsuitable, the unqualified, and the untrustworthy. And do you know when he picks them? He picks them on Monday, and he picks them on Tuesday. He picks them on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and at the weekend. He's picking them all the time. So I want to leave one verse with you that explains, first of all, one of the reasons God chooses the foolish things of the world. is He chooses us because we are foolish. You know, the Bible talks about us and our lives and talks about even the good things that we do, our righteousness. And I'm going to get a bit gory in a minute here, but I want you to understand this verse the Bible talks about. The Bible says that even our righteousness, the good things that we have done, is as filthy rags before him. We all fall short of God's standard for salvation. But I'm telling you, we all fall short of God's standard in sanctification too. You are not so holy. I am not so holy. And dare us stand this side of our salvation and turn round and actually say to God, why did you pick them? Why did you pick her? Instead of saying, your ways are your ways, Lord. I'm just going to leave it with you. You're in control. And thank God you're in control. Because you pick people like Moses that indeed brought children out of slavery into life. You pick people like Joseph that was a great visionary, probably said all the wrong things to his, children, to his family, but in the end saved them. 
He picks Gideon. He picks Rahab the prostitute. He picks all the unsuitable, the unworthy, the unqualified. You put whatever un in front of it as you would care to. God chooses them. And the reason I know he chooses them, I'll leave you with this one last verse that can be found in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26. Brothers and sisters, says Paul, the greatest sinner of all. He counts himself the chief of sinners. This guy killed Christians. Like we call him an apostle. Because if it's one thing we do in church, boy, do we remember people's pasts. We're already writing off people like Bill Hybels. We're writing off men and women of God that for whatever reason their past and, and some things happen that they fall and they fall into sin and we write them off. And it drives me to despair because there go I and there go you. But for the grace of God, if you're following Jesus now, great, you're doing well so far. But he that endures to the end will be saved. I don't know if you'll even be here next year or whether something has come, some Delilah or some situation or some Jezebel or something has come into your world and come into your life to distract you and to lead you astray. But I tell you this one thing, if we keep our eyes on him and his ways and his methods as he continues to pick the unqualified, the unsuitable and the untrustworthy, I'd sooner let God run the universe and me just do my bit. Amen. And what he does when he chooses, he chooses sinners. He chooses killers and murderers. Put that verse back on screen because it's beautiful. Think, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. Proceed. I'm going to read the whole passage here, Sarah, if you can continue with me. <clears throat> but God chose the foolish, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Why? God chose the weak things to shame the strong in order that he might have the glory. That's why he picked you. That's why he chose you. Because of your unsuitability. Because of your untrustworthiness. And because of your lack of qualifications. That's why God seems to choose the wrong people. So how do we process this ourselves? Well, we've got to put on plank spectacles. And, sorry, we've got to take off our plank spectacles as soon as we can. You see, because the reality of it all, as I finish just in this moment talking about Britain's Got Talent and The Apprentice, where I started, is for some reason when Stephen Cowell picks the person, he picks the wrong person. When Alan Sugar fires people, he fires the wrong people so often in our opinions. Because, you see, we jump to conclusions ourselves when quite often we don't see the big picture. And this last 24 hours has probably been some of the saddest things that I've read 
and heard of in the last 24 hours. As Caroline Flack last yesterday took her own life, and she's for some of you that may be unaware and don't watch Love Island. Um, if you're in our house, then you've got the kids that are on about that all the time. But it's been unbelievable. All the venom and all the stuff. There is nothing that is ever that bad or that deep. If you're here listening to the sound of my voice right now on podcast, or if you're here listening to my words right now, there is nothing that's ever that bad that you need to take your own life. But so often, all the people that are wearing planks are the ones that are judging. And just like we sometimes, you know, guilt over little things like reality TV program, we do it all the time. We do it all the time in our family. Oh, ma'am, why have you done that for Sarah? Why have you done that for Fiona? Oh, we say, like, oh, but, hey, hey, boss, let me understand. Why did you make that decision? Like, ain't that deep? And I can't even begin to imagine what it was like to be living Caroline's flax life. Being in the forefront, not being able to go anywhere without being seen or whatever it is. And I don't know what the circumstances were that led to her making some of the choices that she made. However, I do know it's a very sad morning this morning when someone's circumstances are so dark that they take their own life and the church needs to be a place that doesn't judge and doesn't condemn based on colour of skin and based on what you've done and what your past is here at Calon will always be a loving place that we will epitomise the life changing power of Christ in continuing to allow him to choose and I got bad news for you today if you're one of these people that wants to see all kinds of wonderful things happen that God picks talent and God picks all the people with the boldest personalities and the best oratory and everything I got bad news for you he is going to continue to pick the untrustworthy the unqualified and the unsuitable and I tell you he picks them all the time he picks them on Sunday picks them on Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday every day of the week and today he chooses you he chooses you to stand in the gap all the things that are in your heart that he's calling you to he wants you to light that flame to learn how to listen to the voices that are around you you might feel unqualified you might feel unsuitable you might feel untrustworthy but he chooses you today but also he's choosing the person that's next to you so shall we just take our plank spectacles off this morning chuck them in the chopper Get rid of them, and when God picks, his, picks the person in the next chair to us and picks the person that's in front of us and behind us, can we be the person that recognizes that God chooses them too? And that we shouldn't judge and we need to say, Lord, I'm responsible for my life, they are responsible for theirs. Will you help me to go forward in unity and in diversity as you continue to 
the wrong people in your plans and your purposes. Amen. This message was brought to you from Calon Church. If you want to know more, please check us out online at calon.church.